humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 314, and Dedrick Warmack returns. This is part two from his previous episode 312, and we will be discussing the history of Chicago, Reconstruction, and the Red Summer. Dedrick and I can seemingly talk for hours on end, so I decided it would be best to split up our conversation into two parts. And if you want to know more about him, go check out episode 312 as well, or first. I don't know that it matters which order it goes in. I don't think it does, but uh, just know that that other episode is out there. I have some news. The Are We There Yet YouTube channel slash podcast slash show is up and running. If you go to Instagram and you go to the Instagram.com slash are we there yet IG, you will find the link to go check out on YouTube the first three videos posted for the show. My friend Mara and I uh, talk about sex and relationships and everything in between, and we're really excited to launch it. Uh, once we get 100 subscribers on YouTube, we'll be able to name the channel Are We There Yet? But until we get 100 subscribers, it's just a bunch of numbers and letters, which is why I'm telling you to go to the Instagram page for an easy link to get to it. Because if I tried to tell you the YouTube link to get to it, you would it'd be like trying to figure out the passwords that the computers suggest when you're you know, signing into something and they give you 400 letters and numbers and expect you to remember it all. Yeah. Anyway, so are we there yet? Really excited about the show. Go check it out. We're going to be posting YouTube videos for a little while while we build the website and then the podcast portion, the companion podcast will come out as well. Definitely check that out. It's really fun and we are delving into intimate topics and just trying to work it all out. She has a background in health and wellness and uh, has been working in the healthcare world for many, many years. In fact, she was on the show. She was on Hey Human. She was on episode 306 and we talked about this, creating this new show together. So the gist of it is sexuality coach and health provider Mara Edelman and multidisciplined creator, that's me, Susan Ruth, are two humans having the real conversations and raising the questions we all have about where the there is in dating relationships and sex. We'll have guests every few weeks, but mostly it's just she and I. She brings the science and smarts to it, and I bring the comic relief, I guess, is the best way to describe it. So please check it out. Again, the easiest way to get to the link is to go to Instagram.com slash IG and then click the link in the bio, and you will be taken to the show. In other news, Hey Human Podcast social media can be found on Instagram and Facebook. You can find my personal social media under Susan Ruthism, S-U-S-A-N-R-U-T-H-I-S-M. You can email me, Susan, at heyhumanpodcast.com. When you go to heyhumanpodcast.com, you're going to find a bunch of stuff on there, including the links page that has information about every guest I have on the show and what we've talked about and book references and articles and that kind of thing. So check that out for sure, because I do the deep dive so that you can do the deep dive from one place. There is a store where you can get Hey Human merch. It's a great way to support Hey Human. 
And there's hats and shirts and book bags, all sorts of things. Uh, if you're looking for old episodes of Hey Human Podcast, meaning, you know, sometimes the apps only show 300 episodes at a time. I know iTunes does this. You can go to heyhumanpodcast.com and see all the back shows, get all the information there. So uh, definitely they're not gone forever or anything like that. They are happily sitting there for you to listen to. Another great way to support Hey Human is just to help get the word out, you know, rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. The more the word spreads, the better. That's a great way to support the show. On the heyhumanpodcast.com page, there is a contribute button. And if you'd like to contribute to the show, that definitely helps keep it ad-free. It does not come without costs running a podcast. I do everything myself. And every bit helps support me getting good content out there to you. And what else? You can check out SusanRuth.com. SusanRuth.com is where I keep everything that's not podcast related. So that would be any interviews that I've done myself and my art and my music and all that kind of stuff. The YouTube channel that is my official Susan Ruth YouTube channel has music and interviews and go check that out. Again, that's under official Susan Ruth on YouTube. And also, if you want to check out my music, you can find it pretty much anywhere music exists on the internet. If you look up Susan Ruth, and my last record was called All I Ever Wanted Was Everything. Please check that out. Download it. Buy the album. Share it with your friends. Fall in love to it. I don't know. Do the things that people do with music. That's about it. Let's get into this episode. Thank you for listening. Be well. Please take care of each other. Keep each other safe. Um, you know, spread love, spread good. It's, uh, sometimes it feels like a losing battle out there, but, uh, I believe that there is more good than evil in the world. And we just, I guess, have to get louder with it. Get loud with your love. Okay. And be well, take care. Here we go. Dedrick Ormack, welcome to Hey Human for the second time. Thank you for having me, Susan. It's good to have you back. <laughs> I'm excited almost as much as I was, you know, a week ago. So, yes, thank you. Yeah. And we're going to concentrate today on your historical knowledge. I love historians. I think they're incredibly necessary now more than ever. Right. And so, yeah, I really appreciate it. Well, you know, in my opinion, I think we're just starting to discover what a true historian is and not a a people writing screenplays. And, you know, so um, especially, so we're talking about Red Summer um, as as it came about from the Reconstruction era. That's right. World War, war, the end of World War One has happened. And of course, black servicemen came back from overseas and then. Right. We talk about slavery and then we talk about the emancipation. I don't think anyone realized the true contextual history regarding the end of slavery, because we look at it as is as if it was a favor granted to black people who had been enslaved. And from then on, okay, you're free, go about your day. But the reconstruction era is something that's hardly, I didn't even 
I, I had never heard the term in any of my classrooms until college in African-American studies. So most people have no clue about this period of time. And if um, at, I think it was W.E.B. Du Bois' book where he was describing what the South looked like. And that period of history has been whitewashed from our memories. And as I like to explain to people, you're talking about a working class people that was released, but even more so the race or the group that held them in captivity were now abandoned. I mean, you're talking about mothers who had never breastfed their children, who had never made a meal. You're talking about men who didn't even know how to put a saddle on a horse. You're talking and, about how white people relying on their. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so because we skip over that, we have misinterpretations about the Reconstruction era. And I have to remind people that sharecropping came about afterwards and still Black people were being exploited more so than they were doing slavery because now they had no work. Before, during slavery, if a black man escaped or was just walking through town, that was someone's property. And so he was less likely to be uh, killed, whereas after slavery ended, then the lynchings became a common thing because now this is no longer a white man's property. This is just an eyesore. And so um, at this point, you're talking about now the lynchings are starting um, and you're talking about a white South Southern class that's gone from being prominent. They've suffered, you know, whatever losses they did during the Civil War, where, you know, the Union was taking houses and whatever property. And now you have the pictures of these huge plantations with overgrown weeds, with vines coming out of the windows, you know, um, the, the, the once great um, domiciles they had are now looking abandoned. And so never had an abandoned house had a place in the American landscape before the Reconstruction era. And these were the wealthy white people. And also I want us to rid ourselves of the narrative that the Civil War was done to free slaves. It was an economic situation. Right. Yeah. And, and so the economic wealth that was taking place in the Southern class or, or you know, in the Dixielands was what the war was over. It was like almost as if these guys got free money. Let's go down there and take it. And so we still push this narrative like, oh, if they made it to up north, they were much better off. No, they weren't. They were still in a group where it now wasn't about black and white so much as it was about rich and poor.
And, and so, also, I suppose that black people were the free freed slaves were now looking for work and they were taking jobs away. Well, and we talked about that a little bit in your last episode. Yeah. Is that suddenly the, the whites are like, well, what the hell is going on? These people are taking our jobs. Well, well they, they didn't have jobs. They had never had jobs. They weren't even sufficient enough to be a war or workforce. But isn't I mean, that where the problem arose is that here they had this whole group of people that were enslaved to them, taking care of everything. And then when they were freed and they suddenly had to go to work, they didn't have any skill set. Right. So what it was, was the civil war was a reversal of fortune where now this master race who was ruling the South were dominated by the Northern Union and now they've been they find themselves underneath the slaves who can still grow crops, who can still produce, you know, harvest land, and who can still. These were the people doing everything, cooking, cleaning and so forth. And, and so, accumulating wealth. Um, right. That was the beginning of an, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Well, and so the, their attempt to accumulate wealth was hindered by the sharecropping. Because this was the white man's chance to manipulate the economy. And so, you know, whereas I don't even let's say a shovel was two dollars or a dollar or a dollar and fifty cents. Well, I'm gonna charge the Negro $35. And so he's going to have to continue paying for that. I'm gonna charge him rent at you know at exorbitant rates. And clothes, if they go to the market to try to purchase anything, they're being charged up to 10 times the normal price for things so that we can benefit off their work still. Is that how black mercantiles started cropping up then? Yes. And, And so you had that, you had vagrancy laws, you had so many different things that were still white this white southern you know group trying to capitalize off of blacks and so most people aren't even aware that someone could go to court and petition the courts for the children of ex-slaves by saying we want them to work for us and we're going to train them in domestication and this is better than a life that they're living because they're living in a hut, which could be the same hut that they were living in doing slavery and the same hut that they'll live in if the children are taken from the parents. And so the courts were taking people's, you know, ex-slave children just the same. Um, a person could, you know, be arrested for vagrancy laws in which they're hanging out looking for work almost like you see people doing at Home Depot and they would be arrested, even though the white men who are out there drinking would never be arrested, even though they weren't working. And so there were still so many systems at play that were targeting and profiting off of the free slaves. So Grant, being that he was the victor of the Civil War, This man was one of the more honorable men in America. And as 
he was overseeing the Reconstruction um, era and the Freedmen's Bureau and all of the money that was supposed to be sent to there. Again, we have this idea that they're going to go and dispense the money um, efficiently the way that they're supposed to. Still, Explain yeah. what that is, because I think people don't know about that money. So the Freedmen's Bureau were the ones responsible for trying to help the free slaves adjust to society um, because they By were land and established yeah. themselves. Yeah. There was the notion of, they were saying 40 acres and a mule, but these were the lands that had been um, taken from slave masters because you could actually just submit and say, all right, we was wrong. Slavery was wrong and get to keep your land, so to say. But there were those who were still um, combative and, you know, didn't want to concede and things like that. And so the Freedmen's Bureau, and there's there's so many different stories on it that I don't want to pin it down, but they were responsible uh, for our new country, which is now the South and the North combined, that's taken all of this wealth from the South and was supposed to be redispensing it um, almost like reparations. So when everyone's talking about reparations, there was supposed to be this attempt to address what was done um, to Black people for so many years. Because and, people built their wealth on the backs of Black humans. Right. And so while all of these things were supposed to take place, by the Freedmen's Bureau overseeing it and, you know, making fair decisions. What we seem to lose, lose focus of is that you have men from the North who consider themselves civil and educated and all of these things coming in contact with these men from the South who aren't so educated, who are a little more edgy, Almost the same as you would view a Texan from a New Yorker in, in today's terms. So you imagine 150, 60 years ago what this would have been like. And so they were often bullied by these men from the South. And when you're talking about combinations of wealth, these men from the North started conceding more than the Southerners were conceding. So a lot of people got mad at Grant when he came and um, he started giving land back to the slave masters. And, you know, I always have in my mind, what would this scene have looked like? And you couldn't do much if you were Ulysses as Grant when you've seen your president and chief executive killed. And you must know there was there definitely had to be some conspiracy, you know, conspiring against him. So how much could you do um, when you know you just as easily be wiped out as he has? And so America in itself was emerging as a fully viable nation and a superpower. Britain had their uh, economic problems now that America, they were no longer able to 
capitalize off of what was taking place in America, the wars and things like that, and America's secession away from them, um, Germany and the Ottoman Empire were ruling Europe. And we forget about the Ottoman Empire completely. And if you look at the Ottoman Empire and what they entailed, these were a large group of Black men and other complected people, but they were all people of color, okay? That was the, the ruling superpower. Yeah, I was just going to say, they were considered one of the most, if not the most powerful on earth. Right. And, and they had gobbled up land and... Yes. Yeah. And yes. And, and so these are the main points um, because everyone was like, well, I thought we were talking about slavery and this and that. And I want people to have the true context of the situation. So Queen Victoria took her three grandchildren and made them the rulers of King George in England, uh, Tsar Nicholas in Russia, and the other was Kaiser Wilhelm. So these three of the three largest nations in the world are first cousins okay so world war one which took place so we're talking 1865 67 the end of the civil war reconstruction era um up until 1900s where the ottoman empire still ruling western europe um so much more and then Queen Victoria makes this move by putting her three grandchildren in position and the start of World War I and the killing of Superman. Yeah. So, again, we have to think of war not as politics, but as economy. Because if these are the ruling powers with more land than anyone across the world. We keep having this notion that Britain was in India and Britain was in Africa and all of the colonies in Africa and this and that, but we completely gloss over the fact that they still hadn't achieved the power that the Ottoman Empire had. So when they killed Duke Ferdinand, 1913 or 1912, 1913, that's when Congress went to create the American economy as we know it, which was slipped in over a con congressional recess during the Christmas break, okay? And so now we've gone from using cotton and gross domestic products as our economy to now we have pieces of paper that we can make indiscriminately. And then 1913, 1914, immediately after that, we go into World War I, okay? And everybody's looking at World War I like it's really this great war. These were rich cousins sitting at the table playing toy soldiers with real men. Well, they, they had no regard for the bloodshed. 
because this weren't their children. They yeah. weren't going to kill each other. Hey, okay, I'll send all of my guys over here. You send your guys. And when you're playing with those little green army figures, you don't care about what happened to them. You're willing to take chances. And so I mentioned this because this heavily impacted what was taking place here in America as the slave class who, although didn't have any rights, were the strongest workforce that we had. They started building the railroad systems. As they started building the railroad systems, they're like, well, can we get something for this? Like we're building, we've already built America and now we're helping America because we know how important this railroad system is to you. It That's when they started bringing in uh, the Chinese as right. enslaving them and uh, under under the guise of working. Right. Well, because they did the same thing here with agriculture. And so this is when they started realizing the shifting and the way we present things can really affect and impact everyone because all of these ethnicities are isolated from each other and for the most part because everyone's an immigrant at this point. Everyone's still, they most people can't read the newspapers. So like that Tom Hanks movie, everybody would crowd into a building and the town hall meetings weren't really meetings. It was, I'm going to read you guys the newspaper to tell you what's going on across the world. And so now I get to interpret for you what reality is. Well, not only that, but the newspapers were beginning to, to catch on the how to do mass media, in a way, psyopsy kind of campaigns, right? They right. can make people believe anything they wanted. Right. And, and, and again, there's no oversight. There's no supervision. There's no laws binding these people to any type of ethical practice. And Hitler really used that to his advantage uh, before World War II, before the Third Reich, you know, because at first, right, Hitler was, you know, he ran for office and got cut down. No, no, no. And then he built things up and he realized like, oh, wait, I can use media against these people that, that are my enemies. That's one of the things I really want to pay attention to. Because again, Hitler was the one who removed the person, Queen Victoria's grandson in Germany. That removal was celebrated by the people of Germany. And while as despicable of a character as he was, we broadcast him as the only one. We don't mention um, the Belgium. I mean, if you think about it, most people don't even think of Belgium as even having any participation in government at this time, when in fact their ruler was the one that was in Africa chopping off more limbs. And there's still people today walking around limbless because he was chopping off children's arms and legs. Okay. And so out of all of these things taking place, we have everyone vying for power. So there's fights in the media, fights in government, fights in economy, and so forth. And here on American soil, on the ground, in town, 
we have these people fighting for jobs. And that's all it was, was fighting for jobs. And if we bring these things to the forefront and discussing it, it lets the white people know you were being manipulated along with the black people. Okay. And so I don't care what color your skin was, they were sending you off to get killed in a war fought between family members. So do you think that your whiteness really matters? And so these are the things that led to Red Summer. So by the, the, the rise of the Ku Klux Klan too. Right. So well, the Ku Klux Klan came about after the Civil War. That's why they wore the mask because before you could do all of this in the open. But now you need the mask so that the union um, representatives who are overseeing the Reconstruction era can't target. They can't say, oh, no, I saw Mr. Smith clearly, you know. And so that was the first time the white man had to hide themselves. Okay, so when they came about, the Ku Klux Klan was supposed to just protect the white people. And so, again, a necessary evil, the same as the gangs, because you have these Union soldiers coming down. They're raping white women. Right. They're killing white men. Yeah. Originally, uh, many of the the clan members would go like they'd hear, Oh, Mrs. Johnson's getting beaten by Mr. Johnson. So they would go and pay a visit to Mr. Johnson and say, if you keep beating your wife, you're going to answer to us. Some, I'm sure there's, some I, I mean, I think, yeah, that's what they sold that it yeah. was under the guise of. We're taking, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. These men as, as all men were, we give them a credibility that they haven't earned. These were soldiers in the 1800s who were drunk, who had no training, who had no true religion, and there were no true ethical practices amongst mankind. And so they now given power and authority over another group, which surely was going to be abused. That's right. And I think also humans try to find their saving grace within their horrible actions. Right. Right. And so we 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 broadcast these men like they were good. And so Oh, like, I never said they were good. I'm saying that <laughs> I think that they they kind of operated like you said the way the gangs originally as in taking care of their own and then the clans saw the black people moving in and they're like oh, we can't have that. The southerners were making deals with the union, the union. This created the group that we term as they or them in the them versus us scenario. This is the same group that the Southern Dixiecrats are going against. These are the same groups that the militias don't trust. And I say this because I often tell people as a black man, if I had to have one single person that's going to ride with me to the end, you know what that person's going to be? 
one of those old rednecks from down south. That is all about manhood. That is all about honor. That is all about doing what's right. And if we look across the board, they're probably one of the only groups that have remained so. Because mm. we follow the ministers and all of the things they've done. So there is no lineage of black ministers mm. that's been consistent in their ethics. There's no progression from black militants who've been consistent in their ethics. The one thing you can find is one of those old cowboy types down there that'll take, no, that ain't right. I don't care what color he is, that ain't right. Those are the people that are being that Fred Hampton loved. Explain okay. about Fred Hampton, because I don't think a lot of people understand what he stood for. We talked a little bit about him uh, with the Rainbow Coalition, but but please dig into that a bit. So Fred Hampton in the 60s was the culmination of those groups who were partnered out of honor, Black, white, Latino, which some people confuse Latino and Native American, but if there's no borders, this is the same group of people in the same land. And so coming to Chicago, this was preached. Now, some of those Dixie boys are the most trustworthy. That's where the Freemasons came in, where if you would go and you had a Freemason ring, even if you were a slave, you could show up to a white man, show him this ring, and he was going to treat you like a brother. Is that what that is on your hand? No, that's not what this is. I haven't connected with that group like that. But that was the order of things erased from from history because this coalition of black and white who were fighting for good and God have been completely erased because, of course, the government wants to claim that they were fighting for God. Yeah, right. Right. And Fred Hampton, of course, assassinated by the FBI because he was preaching people coming together. And the Rainbow Coalition was exactly what it sounded like. And if you type Rainbow Coalition now, you come up with Jesse Jackson, which we don't mess with Jesse Jackson in Chicago. But you come up with a Rainbow Coalition, Jesse Jackson. No, the Rainbow Coalition was all people. So even during the Black Power movement, when it said power to the people, when we did this, it was a fist of all five nations. This wasn't Black power. This was power to the people. That's why it was so powerful in the in the Olympics in Germany. And of course, Jesse Owens kicking everyone's ass. Hitler was so pissed. No, he wasn't. No, Hitler wasn't pissed. No, Hitler Hitler, the Germans were chanting Jesse Owens, Jesse Owens. Hitler was mad because Germany lost, but Hitler celebrated Jesse Owens. America, so the president Roosevelt didn't even, never spoke or met with Jesse Owens. They celebrated Jesse Owens in Germany. And they even, I think there was a Jesse Owens Boulevard 
or village, but he had stuff named after him in Germany. Okay, and so this is the this is the what we have to unfold because Germany, Russia, France, and Italy, when all of these black soldiers went over there to war, many of them didn't come back. Yeah, I know that that's like um, James Baldwin hung out in France because he's like, y'all know how to treat somebody that right. has a little bit extra pigment in their skin. Right. They were like, yeah. oh, get treated over here like true men. They were yeah. married German and, 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 and Italian and French women, and they yeah. didn't return. Okay. And so while we've been, we've been going over this, oh, Hitler was mad at that. No, he wasn't. Hitler hated Everybody in Europe, okay? Hitler, I, I know he hated the Jews, but Hitler hated everybody. Why do you think they bombed England so hard, okay? Why do you think they were trying to push through and tear France down? Because we really don't know what the philosophy of Hitler was outside of these bits and pieces that we've been getting. We know he targeted the Jews, okay, but he also targeted other Europeans. Right. I mean, he targeted anyone that was disabled, uh, he, the Catholics, uh, right. you know, anyone, of course, that was helping anyone. And the Russians hated the Jews and the Russians hated the Polish and the Polish right. hated it. There was right. a lot of hate happening. Right. In World War II. That's the one thing, even when everybody's like black on black crime, I'm like, we still don't compare the European on European crime. Yeah, it's pretty intense. So now we're in 1919. Red Summer was the result of, of World War One, of the Great Depression, of the Reconstruction era. America in itself is now only 40 years or so old. I know we keep going back to 1776, but that wasn't a country. That was a bunch of colonies trying to rebel against Great Britain. And so that George, was, yeah. in 1920, we're talking about the industrial explosion and the Great Depression while we keep talking about stock markets, no, it was because we instituted the system of economy of dollars and coins that we use now, and it hadn't worked thus far. Poor white men in America had been the, the soil of the hierarchy. They hadn't even reached the rung because they had no vocational skills. They had no worth. And so at this point, Blacks and Asians have come and built the, you know, they built all of these, the railroad systems, they're building the factories. You know, I keep reminding people, who do you think built these factories that we find are still standing today? It wasn't the white man who didn't know how to use a hammer. Okay. And so at this point, Blacks are now returning from World War I. They've left America and come back. 
the same as you feel when you go travel to another country and come back. They're feeling like that now. So now they're looking down on these white men, like telling them to get a job, telling them to do stuff. So our society then realizes with the, the switching between the blacks, the Asians, the Native Americans, as workforces, hey, wait a minute. In order for us to capitalize, because we have the Blacks, that's a great working group. Then we can replace them with the Asians, which is a great working group. But once the Asians start to realize, hey, we're doing all of this for you now, we want more. They had to go to the next group. And they had already lost the trust of the Native Americans. So now we have this white group. So let's throw them into the mix and let's just keep mixing them around because we, the same way Trump does, we hire somebody that can do a job, sign a contract with them halfway through. No, we're not going to pay you. We can get another group to come in and finish the job. And we're going to pay them either. Right. And we're going to make money hand over. That's what they call hand over fist. Okay, because you got somebody ready to fight and you got somebody with their hand out. So let's go with the hand over the fist, move the people with the fist out of the way. And that's making money hand over fist. Okay, and so this is the need for racism. This is the perpetuation of racism, because it's as long as they keep us fighting. Then we're never going to be a collective force which is what Fred Hampton had figured out. It wasn't because he was black power. It was because he was all power to the people. Well, I think uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. also, that was another reason why he was on the hit list because of what he talked about. And John Lennon and, you know, all these different people, Gandhi, for example, anyone that talks about unifying the, that it doesn't serve the people in power. The people in power want us fighting, want us poor, want us ignorant, and want the, it's like this crazy shell game. Be, well, because that's the only way you can ensure a labor class. You know, like we've been taught to hate communism, but we're suffering from capitalism. Well, I personally think that this whole abortion debate has more to do with poor labor. And the only way right. to keep that going is to force women into having babies who normally wouldn't. Right. right. Well, because if, if you're considering an abortion, that means you're unsure about life. OK, because what people don't realize is taking away right. from the ones that are obviously will hurt the mother and, and be in danger to the mother. I'm talking about right. the ones of like, I'm poor. If I get pregnant, I can't sustain that life. I'm choosing to not have that baby, but the powers that be need those poor babies to go to right. war. They need them right. to be in the factories. They need them to make your salad in the fancy restaurant. They need that. They, they need them just to capitalize off of their birth certificates, which they're borrowing money against. Their social security numbers, which they're borrowing money against. Yeah, again, you, it's always an economics thing. Right. This has nothing to do with right to life. This right. is their hiding behind that, in my humble opinion. And I'm the, sure I'm going to piss some listeners off, but no, really no. look at it. It's always follow the money. I dare somebody to say anything about this. Because there's absolutely no way you believe in any type of freedoms 
if this is what we're discussing. That's right, because that is okay. slavery. If forcing a woman to carry a baby yeah. for 10 months, by the way, it's not nine months. No, because what people don't realize is these wealthy, and I'm not talking about a million dollars or the Kim Kardashians. I'm talking about the truly wealthy, okay? You will never see them in a hospital. They turn their room into a hospital. That's right. Or they buy a whole wing on a top floor that you'll never see. There's no need to even go to a hospital. They'll have a team of doctors move on site with them, pay them a million dollars to nurture them. They can go off and have sex and do whatever they want. And if they needed an abortion, it'll be performed in their bedroom. Right. So while all of these people are talking and arguing, these politicians have no, they have no, no skin in the game. They don't care. I know they, they, they are mouthpieces for a small group and they scream really loudly. And I mean, I could show you at least 10 different parts of the Bible in the old Testament where God's killing babies left and right. God doesn't have an opinion about abortion. (laughs) Listen, there, there is no way you're going to use God for any of these things, because as my father told me, he said, Dedrick, anything outside the 10 natural laws is exploitation. Okay. So outside of the 10 natural laws, how can the government, how can Congress say, oh, we're doing this for God, but go over there and finish this war, go bomb these people. That's right. Talk about uh, women's rights, because I'll be damned if anyone's going to have a say over my daughter, any one of my daughters, because I don't have a say so. And I made them. And if I don't feel that I can tell my daughters to have an abortion, and, and I'm totally against abortions. Okay, let that be known. If I got drunk, went outside and had sex with a meth head, a crackhead, and everything else with no teeth, and I woke up and she told me she was pregnant, please don't get an abortion. Please let me take care of this child, okay? But I'll be damned if I think I get to tell another person. Well, that's the thing. Nobody's pro. I mean, maybe there are some people, but nobody's pro. Nobody says go kill a a fetus or whatever. Nobody is pro that. It's pro-choice. It's pro- A woman gets to choose what happens to her own body. Also, I think people have a misunderstanding that Black America is the is the poorest. And I got news for you: way more white people on welfare than Black right. people. And it's always been that. I tell people, you ever been to Kentucky? Yeah. You ever been to Mississippi? That is, to me, such an interesting and unfortunate mythology that they've painted that people of color are the ones struggling financially. And in fact, it's really, I mean, white America is super duper impoverished. Right. Right. And that's what's preventing the, the bond, the bondage that we have to form as a society to offset that caste system. Because the same thing that happened during bloody summer is still happening today where people are telling poor whites the reason why you're poor are these black people over right, here. The Latinos taking your jobs. Yes. Well, I, I, I always tell them, I say, 
you put on your best suit, you go buy a luxury car and go to the most exclusive country club and see how you as a white person will get treated. And then you come back and tell me there's the, that racism is the cause for this. And that's what most people don't understand. Even amongst the white, the highest caste systems, they don't want someone to marry uh, someone at the bottom of the hierarchy. Even though they're extremely wealthy, they don't want that. And, and oh, they, that's old money versus new money. There's right. there's classism within very wealthy people. It's right. so bizarre. Right. And that's why the tech, the tech world is emerging and disrupting the usual order of things. Because these people know, oh, me and my wife, I, I made billions all of a sudden. I go to this party and they shitted on my wife. My wife left there crying and we're both white. And then they go back and they realize, okay, let's get rid of racism because there's still a fight out there to have no matter how white you are if you're not from that old month. Yeah. And so that's what we have to keep pointing out to people. We have to go back and provide true context to all of these things because in Red Summer, the fight was over Blacks buying houses, Blacks having shown accumulated wealth and it took place all over America. There is something to be said about the way uh, white families in America and black and brown families in America function within their own family units. White families tended to disperse uh, people of color. Their families were tighter bonds. And so they built their wealth up together. Right. The Latino community Stand in the house, you pull up, there's five or six Hondas parked in front. They're all working. They're all combining their wealth. They own the home that they're living in. They go and purchase properties and they'll go in 25 deep and stay in this abandoned house. And within a week, it's it's a beautiful home. That's right. And they're not using banks. They're not, they're keeping their money to themselves and then, and they're getting credit cards. So I used to work landscaping with my buddy, Eric Reed, his father, his father was one of those people who was teaching us about economics. He worked for Lockheed Martin, a 30 year Navy veteran, grew his own food at his home. His wife was a teacher. And this man at 70 years old would work us under the table as 20-something-year-olds, we used to be like, oh, I went to the Joe Reed School of Hard Work. But he, we would do landscaping, and we'd go hire these people from in front of Home Depot, right? Now, people have the idea that these guys are poor. These guys are pulling out American Express Platinums, okay? They have wads of cash that, in, in shoe boxes that I'm pretty sure outrank most Americans uh, savings you know, accounts. Yeah. Even your checking accounts. And they, these guys have up to, they have hundreds of thousands of dollars 
and credit available. And it's them. all these families that pool their money. Same with the Asian cultures. They understand right. that value of family dynamic and pool, you know, cousins and all that stuff. What the whites were originally, and then they started dispersing. Black families were like that back in the day. And then their family structure started to fall apart and break apart in America. And now, like you said, the, you know, the Latino and the, and the Asian families are, are the ones that are pooling all that resource. And, right. and, and that's why they are moving up, up. That's in, right. economic, in an economic ways. Even if you are listening to you and I, somebody listening to us speak and think, oh, but no, if you work hard in America and you get ahead in the American dream, and I get all that, but let me tell you, the minute you're born, there is someone looking to profit on your insecurity, on your hate, on your greed, on your nepotism, on your like everything. It's all it's all been figured out how to just say just the right thing to make you feel a certain way so that you spend that almighty buck. So that work hard, succeed notion, right? I'll challenge anybody to that because no matter what business you have, the person that works the most is the least paid. The person that works the least is the highest paid. They're not out to get us. They're out to get from us. And that's all that's all that's all it's about. It's about a profit. And so no matter what's happened before us, there's someone coming along looking for a profit. That's America. That's America. I don't care if you're starting a tech company, a bubblegum company, a, a sports program. You're we're all trying to figure out how to monetize on the backs of someone else. Right. Capitalism. And so these things, these sound bites that they toss to us, we run around and we use them as pacifiers. You're sucking on them, but you're getting nothing. And you're going to keep sucking on it just because you've come, you become comfortable with it. We already know for most of our role models or, or celebrities, I'm not going to say role models, but most of the people we propose as role models, they'll, they'll be like, oh, well, LeBron James and Steph Curry make like 50 million a year playing basketball. How much does a person writing their checks make for not playing basketball? But to that, I think that we've been given blinders and told that they're rose colored glasses. So, and I think as people start to realize it's a lot of work to book the system as well, right? It, it, it takes more than just a, again, as you put it, a soundbite and more than a snappy meme. It requires actual work. Do you know what should happen with this whole abortion thing? Women should stop having sex. <laughs> a worldwide sex strike, and I guarantee you it'll be erased immediately. Immediately. Okay? And sadly, that's not possible. Because some woman's going to give in because what she can get at the moment. And I understand that and I realize that, but the same women women make up the greatest economic force in this country. What? We buy what? the groceries, we buy, we take care of the household, we buy the kids' clothes, we do all these things. And if we said it's not gonna happen, but if we were to say enough's enough. Our bodies, our lives, our choice 
fuck you and your GDP, we're not going to put into an economy that doesn't appreciate us as human beings and then watch what happens. So it even, would hobble the economy. We completely got off. off I know off. we're so off topic <laughs> at this point, but let's uh, let's wrap it up, bringing it back. To yeah. So again, let's just remember it wasn't about race. It was about making the labor force contentious with one another. That is how America has always been able to advance on the backs of the labor force and the labor class. And moving through from 1920 and Red Summer, all of these things were done for economic reasons and they didn't care about how many people died or suffered from it. And so money to those people that care more, and when I say they, we're going to forever refer to them, <laughs> those that care more about the dollar than they do the person. Yeah, the, the, the profiteers. Right. And so all of those things have left, they robbed Black America of so much money, but let's not forget, it also robbed white America. So when you were telling them, how poor so many people in the South were and are, they stole from you too. That's exactly that, right. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. And so when we realize that, then we'll all collectively come together and reframe the work that Fred Hampton was trying to do, which is look out for people, period. That man, instead of being assassinated, should have ascended to become our president. And had that happened, we would be looking at a completely different world because Obama was not a fifth of the man that he is. And that's not to knock Obama, okay? But none of us compared to who this man was and what he was doing at 21 years uh, old. And assassinated so young. It makes me like the Bobby Kennedys of the world. He had to be assassinated. You know, it's just. And, and, and while we, that's the thing, we look, because see, they keep talking about white and black. We rioted over Bobby and JFK. I know it. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And, and so it wasn't about black and white. Well, and I think Bobby would have been a much more powerful voice than, than his brother. Jack would have ever been than JFK well, ever would have been. They were, they were, see, we, for black people, we've been taught to hate them because they turned their backs on the mob. Okay. And that's the distorted cognitive dissonance we've been equipped with. Well, and look at, I mean, just look at Bobby and Dr. King walking hand in hand side by side through so much. Right. Well, we still we still don't even we're not taught about Bobby doing Black History Month. Yeah, we're not taught about JFK doing Black History Month. We're not talking about uh, what's his name? Brown, uh, who started the revolt that Nat Turner was associated with. OK, we don't have and think about that. 
we do not have one poster child for the abolitionists. Once we unfold all of these distorted notions we've been given, yeah. that the, the fist is not for Black power, it's for unity. Yeah. Then we can get back to, okay, well, what were we doing? What were we looking at as a people? And, and, and take away all of these divisions. Because like I say, if everyone remembers, if you are okay with a Black family losing their wealth across generations after emerging from slavery, you're a piece of shit. Because I wouldn't care if it was the leader of the KKK. I don't want to see his family suffer for his beliefs. I wouldn't want to see any child go hungry, cry, or be scared. When you hear a baby's voice in a supermarket and they're crying, do you think about what color they are? Does it matter what color they are? And that should remain the way we all are with each other. And, and when we get to that point, we'll be taking a step in the right direction. And, and then we, aliens will land and we'll hate them. <laughs> Right. Well, right, right. You know what? We, because again, if we go back to, we're all universal I, creatures. Yes, I agree. I agree. I was being facetious, but yes. We get rid of racism. Then we're on our way to getting rid of classism because the classes can't exist against right. all races. Look, racism is a classic is a classism problem. It's all right. economics. And, and that, and when we get to that point then we will be back in tune with the universe. Amen and to that. There's going to be no stopping us no matter what. Yes. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you, Dedrick, for a great conversation. As always, please right. come on the show again. I told you, whenever whenever you have room for me, you let me know. We're gonna, we, have, we have to make this a regular thing because I, I like the impact that we have and I'm still getting so much feedback from passing out last week's uh, podcast. Okay. Good. And so, yeah, let, let, let's continue doing this and let's, let's go change the world. All right, I'm in. All right. All right, talk to you later. So much, Susan. See you Bye. later. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Rate, review, and subscribe to Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Bye.